Down, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined usually by Kim. Hello. And equally usually by Ari. Hello. And we are here today to talk about Season 2, Episode 26, Assignment Earth. I have no second title for this because I refuse to give this any of my time. (laughs) It's terrible. This is really... Okay, here's the crazy idea. It was a backdoor pilot. It was. Oh, uh, hells yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Engineered by Gene Roddenberry. To the point... He got involved. He rewrote the episode because, of course, he rewrote the mm-hmm. episode. He uh, he wanted to be a producer on it. He rewrote the script. He was heavily involved in the production, including the sets, the props, the casting of the actors, including, according to Memory Alpha, the costume of Terry Gar, who insisted on shortening her miniskirt to be... More revealing, much to the anger of costume designer William Warethese, who already had that market pretty much covered. <laughs> this is crazy! This is the second series of a not very popular television show that you're sneaking in a backdoor pilot as your season finale. Wasn't this like the first cancellation that they, they weren't sure there was going to be a season three? Well, they weren't sure there was going to be season two. Yeah, but like both canceled. times. It's like the last four four seasons of Stargate. Well, I mean... If he's sure he's not not sure he's going to get picked another. up for another season, at least he set himself up for another potential yeah, show. Yeah, okay, but which did not. Get you're on up. the sinking ship, and you're staging a production of your next play on the sinking of a ship. At least he's got some hustle. That is true. <laughs> no, he like he's just like hustle. his country. He's young, scrappy, and hungry. <laughs> um, I I am. Baffled by this choice. I am also completely baffled. Um, normally backdoor pilots are either snuck in like two or three episodes into a new season or two or three episodes before the end of an old season. I think it was just desperation time. And and a super established television show. Not usually like two seasons in. I cannot think of an example. If anyone wants to dispute me, like come at me, bro. I can't think of anything. No, when usually did, you when don't did get... the X-Files come in? Because they had the lone gunman. But That, that was, was really, really near the end. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't think... Like their the third cancellation didn't do any kind of backdoor pilot for the for the, the episode. They, they were just, just spin off. Spun off. Yeah, it's not the same. Um, I'm trying to think of. There's, I, I'm trying to think of other pilots. Bones did one for uh, that one where he licks everything. Oh Sorry, yeah, that what? Was gross. I don't remember what it was called, but it was, it was like in the, Florida. It was like it was like supposed to be a new detective show called like The Liquor or something. It wasn't oh, amazing. But it was in Florida, so I was instantly disinterested. The Liquor. Like you know how all these detectives have some sort of like super enhanced sense that I can do. He's, he like licks. He also I no believe, one wants to see people lick things. I think he also like takes Fraser off his clothes and sits in the guy's like creepy leather armchair in his underpants. It's just remember. really strange. I just, yeah, okay, wait good. a minute. I, thought I am sick. going to interject and do myself. Gilmore Girls and Windward Circle. So that was supposed to be Jess's That's spin-off, right. and that was a backdoor pilot. But that was season. That was the end of season three. End of season three. Is that where yeah. she goes to visit him? No, no that's he's where on his Jess own. gets almost a full episode where he goes to visit his father. Oh. And they try and make, what was it, like, some wow. seaside, yeah. major seaside town in California. I the new super small did town. not care Just about that side story. Town. Where he's got, like, the crazy stepmother who, like, knows everybody and, like, sews up pockets of random dudes yeah. on the street. And he's Marcia got, like, a Rowe bookish stepsister who hides in closets and yeah. there's, like, 15 dogs in that house. Who was house. April, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Smallville did Mercy Reef. At season <laughs> five, they tried to make Aquaman happen. Aww. I had pieced out of Smallville by then because I basically quit when Lana got a magic back tattoo. That's fair. That's also fair. fair. Gossip Girl had one called Valley Girls. The Office had one called The Farm. 
Marty Shiro tried to do a Dennis Stanton show. Yeah, that would never happen. No, because no one cares. <gasps> oh my god, Charmed had a season five premiere that was meant to be a spinoff mm, called The Mermaid. Oh my god. Oh my god. Amazing! Uh, Serena the Teenage Witch had Witch Right Hall, which on the surface is something that I totally would have watched. Yeah, I remember that actually. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay. Oh, and Doctor Who apparently had something, the Dalek Space Opera. Hasn't Doctor Who actually, like 2005 Doctor Who actually had a spinoff now? Torchwood? Torchwood. No, since Torchwood. It's like a... Sarah Jane Adventures? No, no, no. Recently. Um, no, no. I, I, no, I pieced out of out of Doctor Who. I like the Sarah Jane Adventures. Completely destroyed Donna. I'm sad now because now I'm thinking about you Sarah Jane. You made Smith. a solid life choice. I made it as far as they killed off Rory and the redhead. I watched all but the last episode of them, and now I'm done. Yeah, no. After I saw that and I saw how they were killed off, I was like, oh wait. This is terrible. Has it always been terrible? Have no. I been on drugs? It hasn't no, always it, been terrible. It was basically terrible the second that they wiped on his memory and basically made the last season irrelevant. I really liked some of uh, Ginger and what's his face. I've completely forgotten. Rory and Amy. Rory and Amy. I really liked parts of Rory and Amy. I a love lot. Rory and Amy. I was devastated that they were killed off in the boneheaded, stupidest throwback. I oh, aren't I so clever? Yeah. Wait. Anyways, this is not the no, on Doctor Who no, podcast. <laughs> this is Star Trek Assignment Earth. Okay, unpopular oh. opinion. I would have watched this show. Not with this guy, but the idea was actually really interesting to me. I, I have no comment on that because I can't tell either way if I, I would liked it. Probably not. I'm going to redo my title. So welcome to season two, episode 26, Star Trek Assignment Earth, or as I'm going to call it, Assignment Earth, colon, audience of one. <laughs> and it's Ari. I liked, I gotta say, I'm going to put it up front. I love Terry Gar. I thought yeah. she was incredible. She was pretty good. Yeah. Like, so the where she Like where she like... Like, gives it her all and calls the police yeah. and, like, yeah. finds like, okay, fine. I'm this weird guy's secretary. And where she's walking down the street at the beginning and wearing her miniskirt and she's obviously been out all night and some guy tries to give her the thing and she's like, eh, get yeah. out of my face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I would have watched it just for her. Mm-hmm. She was excellent. Yeah. I'm preemptively giving her my Same. performance of the episode mm-hmm. because I thought she was so charming. Mm-hmm. I gave it to the cat. The cat or the cat in her lady form? The cat. Okay. Just the actual, like, the actual, the actual cat. cat. Like, it, it got me when, like, the cat, like, walked up the guy's back and then, like, draped himself around the she neck. That was a good cat. That was a good acting cat. I know. Good cat. Cat. Damn. That's why I gave it to the cat. Yeah, that's fair. But does the I'm cat know it's her. acting? Yeah, it knows. It knows that there's what? a treat for it at there's the end. There's treats and it's not with its regular owner. It knows it's acting. Well, unless it's working, anyway. <laughs> Shut up. I'm standing by my cat. <laughs> The cat did throw in a really good performance. Okay, literally every time the cat appeared on screen, I just wrote kitty in my notes in like capital letters with exclamation points and underlined. I was really excited about the cat. I feel like the movie Keanu was very much written for you. I didn't. I missed it in theaters. Out on DVD now. So I think the weirdest part of this episode is how it's sort of like, so whoops, we're in the 20th century and there's no No, further explanation. No, Ari, it's not whoops, we're in the 20th century. It's 
we are here on purpose in the 20th century to observe the historical record. Which is insane. And they give you the way, like, here's yeah. the method we used to go back in yep. time. Which was like, already it's used. an assignment. This was stupid. This was very this was stupid. Crazy. It already it contradicts what little continuity exists in original series. It from, contradicts this everything. Yeah. Why the fuck? No. This is why Section 31 yeah. hated Kirk so much. Because it's like, so we're here to do official research. I'm doing air quotes, by the way. And I assume by official research, Kirk just was curious. No, no. This was an assignment. They were told to go there for historical that research. Is nonsense. To see how the Earth survived 1968. Like, now, that was the worst year. Now we have a burning need to know this information and break, like, 75 intergalactic laws. Why would you even be there? It doesn't, it's, it's very stupid convention. It makes no sense. I'm angry that they did this. You're specifically going to send someone back in time and, and risk continuity and, like, screwing up the timeline to find out what happened in this one year, which you already survived, so does it really matter and if the, the historical records is, are fuzzy? At the end of the episode, it turns out they have the historical records anyway, they were just sort of misfiled over there. I guess. Yeah. The, the premise for this is complete fucking nonsense. And the worst part is, is they go back to 1968, no one has a go-go outfit. No, no one. No one. Not Although the only term. two human beings who go down from the Enterprise would not have been flattering on them. Uh, they do, they have these huge, chunky oh, so jackets terrible. that make them look like cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy would have looked amazing in a miniskirt and go-go boots. Ooh. I'm standing behind that. I'm still shocked by shirtless Spock a few episodes ago, Cam. I just, I can't go there. No, I didn't I'm going to go I said Leonard Nimoy. Mm. <sighs> he did, the 60s were a good, like, look for him. Like, in the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, he looks good. <laughs> He looks good, like, nice, tight-fitted pants and, like, loose sailors. Am I, is this for my thick or is this from what actually it's, happened? It's just you. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but they look, they've got these gross, bulky trench coats. I'm totally baffled because it looks like they have another human being stuffed underneath those <laughs> The three it's kids a in a coat. Like, children. little rascal style. Well, I, I could get behind that because they're like 1968. No. You just need something generic that fits the time period. So that I we can put on over our costumes. Why didn't they just ask them to bring in their own coats and they can wear that? It looks like they're wearing like layers and layers and layers of sweaters. And I, and I know what that looks like because that's what I do because I refuse to get a winter jacket. I just wear two sweaters. It looks like I'm a football player, but it gets the job done. It does. I was also really bothered by Spock's hat in this section. That it was the knitted? Wool, the thick, heavy, like mm, fisherman's mm, wool too. Mm, he could have been mm, like it wasn't off even the that. It was like fleece he or something. He should have been off the coast of Nova Scotia with that hat. I love how you slipped into a, a an accent right there. <sighs> he should have been on a schooner. But no, it's true. Like, why wasn't he wearing like a man's hat that they were all wearing also, back then? the second time they go down, he's wearing a goddamn Gilligan-style bucket hat. Oh. Get Get in the game. We lost the Whatever first half. Get in the game. Up your fashion They don't cover talk. your ears, though, oh. Fedoras. Who cares? Everyone's not looking underneath your ears at your hat. They're looking at your bitching hat. And if you're wearing a weird hat, your eyes are automatically going towards the hat going, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so to uh, pile on the completely fucking ridiculous premise, they're just sort of hanging out in orbit. Yeah, no one would notice you in orbit during the Cold War. It's a giant ship. No worries. My other problem is that they choose 1968 because, man, there's so much problems in 1968. Really? 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 That's like the worst year? 
Well, was this, wait, was this, this filmed is, in 1968? Yes. And this is, I think. Because this is Trek tradition. It's just, we'll just go back, go back in to time the same year. To the yeah, year to that save ourselves this is airing. No, the year that this is airing. Because they do that in Voyager. They go back to 1996 in one of my favorite episodes yeah. of But the that's a great episode. It How is. do they look in that? Is everyone wearing good clothes? Um, mm, some people. Although they're wearing a lot of pantsuits with square shoulders. It's all extremely 90s. And, I and love of course, Tom Paris is in a Hawaiian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure they filmed this in. Tuvok wears a do rag. Woo! Yes, this aired in 1968, so they were were filming in 1968. The weird, I get, I mean, it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, ooh, spooky coincidences. At some point, they talk about there's assassinations that happened in Mm -hmm. 1968. Um, Martin Luther King was assassinated uh, four days after. But I don't care to go into the episode aired. Pretty sure. Oh, Did shit. they actually give the date in the episode? Because in the... They just say 1968. Because the day that they arrive in 1968, they say there's going to be, like, a political assassination, yes. a nuclear launch, and something else. And I was like... And then somebody was actually assassinated, like, four days later. That's spooky. That is spooky. Okay, so here... Do you want more spooky stuff? So this yep. episode aired uh, six days later. Martin Luther King was assassinated. And that's, that's what Spock says. That there's an important thing. Um... That the assassination that the U.S. was... Sorry. You can erase all of this. There was also the launch of the unmanned Apollo 6 Saturn V rocket. And this rocket suffered a serious mishap and went off course. The 6? 5. 5. Because the 8 was also in 1968. And that was the the Earth The 5 goes off course. And so I guess it's kind of... They saw the truth. And the other thing, the closest candidate to Spock's other prediction of a government coup was that on July 17th of that year, uh, there was a coup that brought Saddam Hussein to power. So Spock can essentially tell the future. Wow. Or they were just going, wow, the world is total shit right now. One of these is going to happen. To be frank, as it is every year. (laughs) I mean, I assume this was fairly early in the year. I mean, despite Spock, oh, well, I guess it could be like January. What was the air date of this episode? March 29th. Or March 29th. So it was probably either right before or right after that in the year. Because uh, 1968 is also the year of the Christmas Eve broadcast and the year the Earthrise photo was taken. Um, when the Apollo 8 crew came around the moon and actually made a live broadcast to the planet Earth, that Merry Christmas to everyone on the good Earth, that broadcast. Okay. Yeah, that was It was takes that really famous photograph, which I'm showing you right now, of, you know, the Earth rising yeah. over yeah. the moon. I which gotcha. So, you know, it came around, space travel-wise, if not on the Earth itself. So 1968 eventually sorted itself out, is what sort you're trying of, to say? Kind of. Not really, that, but sort of. That photo is sort of the unofficial start of the... Um, green movement yeah and yeah like the environmentalism and yeah that kind of yeah. stuff yeah spaceship earth <sighs> hippies yeah anyhow so uh we meet the guest star of this episode because we just happen in all of the millions of miles of space to be in exactly the right spot to intercept a transporter beam coming oh. from somewhere really far away in space uh 100 000 light years away yeah. I Sorry, everything about this really frustrates me because essentially it posits that they're just in the way and so they might as well just pick up whatever's being laid down. And it happens to be a super creepy looking guy and his super creepy looking cap. There's something really weird about this this guy's eyebrows. I want to take a really good or look at his face right His now. face is kind of like weird and pointy and his cheekbones. Probably because he lived all his life on another planet. Well... I don't think that's what happened to the actor's face. No. 
I, but it is a very disconcerting face. It is. It is very disconcerting. His name is Robert Lansing, and I suppose we better make sure that he's dead before I start slagging him. <laughs> yes, he's super dead. He died in 1994. We're good. We're good. Let's just lay it on him. He's got weird eyebrows that are pointing in other directions and kind of like a freaky, like, top heavy oval he's got head. He's very, very, he's brow heavy. Yeah. He's brow heavy and I feel like he would have been better served as playing like a wizard. He looks like an actor from Doctor Who. I don't know. Like, yeah. Right? It's it, because he doesn't bend his like back at any point. He doesn't point. make any facial expressions the entire episode. No, he doesn't. His voice does a little <gasps> bit of acting, but his face doesn't. He was on Murder, She Wrote. Oh, yeah, I actually remember him from Murder, Did, She yeah, Wrote. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was an assassin. <gasps> I think he was, actually. Yeah, because yes. he's got the face of a killer. Yeah. <laughs> and I can say that because he's dead. <laughs> yeah. So, he gets beamed aboard from, like, a thousand light years away with a cat. Kitty! That's totally normal. Um, Kate, let me just add that this is, like, the third magical cat Second. Second. second magical cat, also second lady cat. Yeah, that happens. Cat that is a yeah, lady. cat that turns into. I feel like we had more than two magical cats. Well, no. the, the, the others were magical. They were just in we places had, where magical things happen. This isn't the bl- literally magical. We had the black cat from the shitty Halloween episode. Yeah, it's the very yeah. special Halloween episode. Yeah, and I think that's the only other cat we've had. Yeah, there's been another cat, but it was just a cat. It was where? just a cat. I can't remember, but I feel like we have. Anyway. Not the weirdest cold open we've ever had on Star Trek, but close. No, it's no, it's not that weird. It's just like okay, it's the fact that he's in kind of like a weird um that he's in a suit, yeah, and also holding a cat. I guess yeah. it's kind of oh, and he's all snotty. He's like, "Why did you intercept me?" And they're like, "Uh, <laughs> yeah, we definitely meant to do that." Yeah. Also, I have to just say, as like a general statement for this guy's like life choices, yes, in this episode, you would call a lot less attention to yourself, dude, if you weren't constantly carrying around right? a cat, because people just don't do that. Regularly. Yeah, like what the hell kind of research are these super advanced aliens doing that that no one picked up that it wasn't really socially normal to carry around a cat all the time? He should have had like a man purse and then put the cat inside, or alternatively, the cat could have stayed in its lady form, and that would have been a lot way less, less conspicuous. conspicuous. Yeah. yeah, even though she did have like kitty ears in her hair. <laughs> yeah, they didn't look permanent, and plus she could just say she was a go-go dancer. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's true. Problem. They excuse anything. Salt. See, I actually, like, I remember this episode because I'm like, he has a cat that's a lady, and I kind of, in my head, thought that she turned into a woman, like, a few times in the episode nope. and helped him out. I think I was just noticing, I think I was misremembering Terry Gar's role, because mm. oh, I did not remember yeah, yeah. Roberta. Was that her name? Roberta? Roberta, yeah. Yeah, sure. Roberta as, like, a character. Well, yeah. that seems odd. Yeah. So they do a little bit of uh, mutual interrogation. We're like, what planet are you from? What planet are you from? I'm from Earth. No, I'm from Earth. We're all from Earth. You can't be from Earth if I'm from Earth, because there's only two people allowed to be from Earth. Except he sees Spock, yeah. and he's like, oh, a Vulcan. You're from the future. We can't talk. Yeah. yeah. So many questions. I, I hate the fact that they beam this guy here. There's the, the bah, bah, bah. Yeah. We open back up. They're kind of chatting for a while. And then Kirk's like, oh, yeah, uh, call security over here. Why is there not security all the time in the transport? Especially once you already knew you were intercepting, like, a weird space transporter signal from no one knows where. <sighs> It could have been a very evil robot. So they confiscate his cat and, like, drag him off. <laughs> but he, like, he does say he's been living on a secret advanced planet for 
some super important mission that he won't tell them anything about. It's great. So he's like, yes, I, my name is Gary Seven. Mm-hmm. What happened to Gary's one through six? Yeah, that's a good question. I did think he was a clone. Oh. Well, what he says is that a bunch of, hum- they, they took humans. They kidnapped humans. Generations ago. And then. Cloned them. And he's the seventh one. Well, he doesn't Wayu say they clones. Or um, uh-huh. Logan's friend. Yeah, that was what I thought it was Logan's run, but I think it's just a code name because he actually says it's a code name. Yeah. His clone name. His clone name. His clone name. And that he's from a super secret planet that no one can see because <laughs> yeah, they hide it real good. Planet. At which point Scotty screams, That's impossible. At which point I scream back, You're in space. <laughs> What part about the previous one season and 25 episodes of season two preceding this made you think that anything was impossible? <laughs> like, really? Anything that anyone threw at you, you'd be like, yeah, well, I guess plausible. I would go with unlikely, but not impossible. No, impossible is a big word to be throwing around. Jack the Ripper came back to life. <laughs> In more than one sci-fi franchise. <laughs> You guys met, like, the United States Constitution oh in God. space! Just in space! Let's never talk about that again. <gasps> there were... I'm still angry. Al Capone! In space! Space Nazis! Not a metaphor for Nazis! Actual, Actual Nazis! Nazis. <laughs> uh, so the what long- part about that is impossible! <laughs> a sneaky planet and is just funny, too much! Except then we just sort of accept it and move on. No! Well, no, they do. <laughs> they do, though. They do, they. They lock him up. And then we have a space meeting. And they meeting. never speak of it again. So here's my favorite part about the space meeting is it's a yeah. con- it's like a teleconference. It's a, t- it's a Skype conference call. Yeah. I loved this. He's like, everyone on the ship key in and participate. I'm like, hey, wow. This is great because it, it precedes the idea of teleconferencing. Yep. But also that the screen is faced away from both Kirk and Spock. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, st- they're staring at the back of a television screen. There's probably a secret camera somewhere my in the favorite, space meeting room. Okay, my no. favorite part of the space meeting is that Spock just has the cat in his lap and he's yeah. petting it and he's like, oh, I like this cat. I'm strangely yeah. drawn to it. Also, was that supposed to be a subplot about how, like, later on Spock finds out the cat was a lady and then they bone down? Shit, I would watch that pilot. <laughs> <laughs> the continued adventure well, of Spock and the Pussy. Because, because in my head I knew the cat was a woman. Okay. And Spock was sitting there, like, petting the cat and being like, sure, I'm strangely sure. drawn to the cat. Really? I kept expecting there to be, like, some weird romantic subplot between Spock and the cat lady. Well, here's the weird thing about totally the cat possible. lady is that I assume that she is a member of the species that kidnapped yeah. and trained Gary yeah. and his ancestors. So can they only turn into cats or, or can they turn into other animals, too? Or are they just straight-up shapeshifters? Or are they the founders? I feel like they are actually human beings who choose to go in cat form. Oh, I like that one. That's more fun. Yeah. Because mm. oh. it didn't make any sense as to why a cat would turn into a human being just to dick with Roberta for well, no if you reason. Think, if you think about it like the whatever the secret hidden planet is, is actually descendants of human beings who learned how to see the future. Is that what they are? They don't say, no, they're aliens. They're aliens. They, he, he just says it from a secret hidden planet. He doesn't actually say No, they're, they're aliens. aliens. They're aliens. They're, so they're, they're advanced. They're the advanced Aegis. culture. No, they're they're aliens. Um, mm. They're from the Aegis. Aegis. Sure. Anyway, I'm not going to argue with you because I do not care to give any more brain time to this. Um. So they can't find any evidence of Gary's planet. Okay. Which no. you would not be terribly surprised by because it's secret and hidden. Were you guys not listening? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So Gary keeps saying, you gotta let me down there or else it- Catastrophe. Will, or catastrophe, the earth will be destroyed, blah, blah, blah. It's the most critical time in history. At this point, I was like, he kind of looks like the older, shaggier Killian Murphy. Mm. And then I started hating myself and I went into like a deep spiral of like, is Killian Murphy attractive? I think so. He is. <laughs> Have you seen Peaky Blinders? I've seen no. the first couple of episodes of no. Peaky He's Blinders. He's got a really great no. like 1920s haircut going on in that and he is like A+. plus. I really enjoy him. He was in a movie playing a transgender person and uh-huh. he was very... Look, he's got a beautiful face. He's got a good face. He's got anyway. good cheekbones. Breakfast on Pluto. Spot. Anyway, Gary Seven's like, this is the most critical time in history because it was aired in 1968. So, of course, they're going to say that. And Spock tries to figure out what catastrophe they're talking about. And there's too many to choose from. Yeah. Is the catastrophe, is Killian Murphy handsome? Oh, my God. Like, is he? He is. He's kind of got a Benedict Cumberbatchy face where in the right light, you're like, And they settle on the upcoming launch of You're America's... You're fun! No, I'm not. I hated Peaky Blinders. And they settle on the launch <gasps> of America's nuclear weapons no, 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 platform. No, 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 no. America's nuclear weapons platform, which is really interesting because it's actually kind of a Star Wars, like the Project Star Wars thing. I have a question. Yes. I, yes. Sw- I promise it's not killing uh-huh. Murphy related. If he is from the present, uh-huh. how is he? No. Gary Seven. Is Isn't from, he from the future? He's no. from the present. He says, I'm from this time. He says, period. I'm from the, he says to Kirk, I'm from this time. You're not. You leave. Which it's, is fair. Wait, I mean. wait. He's from 1968. Yes. And this is my question. Yes, Kim. If he's from this time. How does he know that something bad is going to happen? That's my question. Super advanced aliens can see the future. We already went through this. But he did. No. Yeah, he says that they watch time. They could also be the Time Lords. This was a not. <laughs> this was a not very subtle Doctor Who ripoff. Or is it the Prophets? It could also have be the No No Time. Yeah, but they. I guess they actually do take people and keep them because they like them. Mm-hmm. And they have demonstrated they do care about specific planets. It's true, but up until this point, we have never gotten the impression that Earth was one of them. No. Um. Yeah. Uh... No, I call bullshit. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it is bullshit. It's so bullshit. Like, I mean. I can understand, like, their... Okay, because the whole po- the whole point of this thing... Because we have to talk about this for a minute. I'm sorry, we're jumping ahead in the plot. No, let's just lay the there plot out. There was, like, out. two agents from this super advanced civilization just, that's yeah, over there. Yeah. And you can't see me, like, pointing off into the distance. And at the secret planet that yes, we can't see. So who yeah. on Earth yeah. were tasked with stopping the launch of this particular Rocket. suborbital nuclear platform. Right. Fine. They die. In, so a Gar- in a car crash. In a car crash. So Gary Seven is sent. He's the supervisor. Yes. To find them. To micromanage. Yes. How do they know it's this particular one that's going to be a problem? Or do they just show up and sabotage everyone? <laughs> I assume. Because you remember. I the, love that idea. Do you remember the Voyager episode <laughs> with the, the people who keep the alien race who keep going back in time to stop the destruction of their planet? And Voyager gets stuck in it? Is that the time war? maybe sure and they had that sort of like map of time i sort of was picturing something like that where they sort of like were tracking different plot lines for lack of a better word i feel like it's it's one of those like those trigger points yeah the the fulcrum of a moment that if certain things go certain ways and certain things happen so i I guess i could give you that this was this was a very important moment i mean these people were clearly supposed to be the time lords to a certain degree yeah he even had a fucking uh sonic screwdriver Yes, he yeah, did. he did. But like that was never really clarified in the text. I think I just no. assumed from genre savvy but point of view. I 
Like, they oh. clearly had the ability to see through time, if not actually but, travel through time. Okay, Otherwise, but he's from the present, so yeah. how does he know that there's a catastrophic future? Because the, the, exactly. super, because the super advanced aliens that raised him or whatever have the ability to, like, see the future. I don't like that. Me either. But it's the only thing that makes sense. Uh, no. Someone's I would have preferred traveling. that they were actually from the future. And they, yeah, they, they had identified that, that this moment was a turning point for the Earth. Yes, because that is what actually happens in Enterprise, is some dick from the future is constantly coming back and going, hey, hey, Archer, this is important. We gotta do shit. And it's really annoying, and I would have preferred that Remember the guy from the Next Gen episode? In, like, the sparkly holographic ship, who was actually only from, like, a hundred years in the future, instead of, like... Well, it turns out he was from the past. He was actually from the past, and he, he's, like, telling them he's from the distant future, and you yeah, know, to pick up historical episode, but yes. Yeah. The deeply untrustworthy guy from minute one that, for some reason, everybody trusts. Okay, I have another question. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kim, throw it down. Killian Murphy in Inception. Oh, my think God, I'm leaving. There? Oh, I really I'm not did. Kidding. Because I felt like he was actually the protagonist of that movie, and everyone else was just the villain. <laughs> yes. So, Agreed. Gary Seven easily escapes the brig with his sonic screwdriver. I want to talk about the space staff meeting for a moment. Okay. Because I feel like, uh... Oh. They didn't let enough people weigh in, because they no. called for all science personnel, all yeah. medical personnel, yeah. and yeah. all command personnel. Like, all supervisors. Well, maybe they were, like, just in chat instead of with their mics on. <laughs> and all you saw was Scotty and one other person. Uh, well, we do have some meetings, they never let anybody DeForest else Kelly was on set for conservatively seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> He recorded his scenes of pushing button going, I just don't know, and done. Yep, and he walked definitely off the set human, with sandwich. And I'm leaving to get a drink. Yeah. Good for him. Mm-hmm. So they put him behind a forest field which he with one security guard who was a bit of a beefcake, I guess. Yeah. Like, if I had to, again, in my favorite game, if I was forced under duress <laughs> to have passionate, passionate, amorous relationships with anyone, any of the guest stars... I guess it would be him. He didn't say not much. Not Terry Carr? It's not my thing. Okay. But she was cute. I would oh. love to go go-go dancing with her. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be a great time. So he's kind of like beefy and like jawful. And really bad at his job. Well, okay. To be I mean, fair, he does get bamboozled by a sonic screwdriver. That's he, true. He is set up for failure he because is. they're guarding this alien that they know has this And they didn't even search him. They don't search <laughs> I'm him. I'm so upset. And they know that he has a lot of advanced technology, but they don't pat him down and they leave one guy in charge. Yep. who is instantly bamboozled by the sonic screwdriver, which sounds a lot more dirtier than he does. <laughs> well, the weird thing is it apparently does all the things that the regular sonic screwdriver does, plus it, like, makes you, you happy. Yeah. Makes you so happy Sleepy. you have to sit down and giggle to yourself and take in a nap for a while. Yeah. Which is what he does. Yeah. Fine. And then he, like, runs the transporter room and beams down. Of course he does. Of course he does. And his cat goes, too. Yeah. I love the part where the cat just, like, up and leaves. Yeah. Yeah, because the cat is sitting with Spock, and the cat's like, oh, time to go, have to be going, sorry. And they let the cat go. Yeah. They have seen people turn into cats before. I would just like to I would be very suspicious of the cat already. Especially since the cat, okay, the cat had a beautiful sparkly wraparound collar. Very nice. Lovely. You remember the cat with the jewel in the haunted house who was actually an alien lady? Yeah. You should just assume at all, at this point, that all cats are actually beautiful ladies. I do. (laughs) I do. 
So we get this really weird sort of miniature city skyline that is clearly six inches tall. It's a nice matte painting of New York. It was very nice. They also use a whole bunch of establishing shots from Man From U.N.C.L.E. Yeah. Oh, were they? Yeah. So it was a lot, I felt like a lot of either like stock footage or footage yeah. from the actual time period that they used. Some sound effects too. There was a lot of NASA stuff. Yeah. And the weird thing about that, you'll I think I think you could see it that the ratio is all bonkers. Yeah. Um, and that's because NASA films in a different ratio than network television. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, I, you're quite right. I felt like there was so much stock footage that I just stopped paying attention. I'm like, I gotcha. Yeah. You're in New York. <laughs> in New York. The one, the one thing that I did think was worth having in there was the rocket launch, which was impressive. I am going to agree to disagree because I felt like I was watching the entire thing in real time. We were. I love rocket launches. It was great. It was funny, though, because the launch itself was actually, it was an Apollo launch, obviously, which was, I believe, (laughs) Florida or Texas. Wait, were they launching that outside of New York? They were launching it from McKinley Air Force Base, which has never in the universe, in this universe, happened. (laughs) But okay, Star Trek. Sure. You would not launch a fucking rocket from McKinley, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> the face that Kareem is making right now. <laughs> I just put yeah. two and two together and I'm very confused. That is fair. That is very fair. Um, in the chopper shots, though, you can you can tell that it is not New York. Like, you can see, like, all of, you know, the huge fields they put around real rocket, rocket launches because... There's a lot of, like, fire and gas expansion. So much fire came out of so that. I will be honest that fire. I had stopped watching the stock footage and started Google image searching Killian Murphy <laughs> <laughs> to really dig down into my research for this episode. Um, so, Ari, all of your artwork for this episode mm-hmm. should be pictures of Killian Murphy from different roles. No. Yes. yes. Uh, Seven walks into his office via a portal. For some reason. Okay, it's in a giant wall safe, which appears to that be also has on this 11th floor of a walk-up brownstone, or walk-up... Something like that. Apartment, apartment building. building. Yeah. I don't think that as an engineering feat that should be done. That looked like a huge safe. It did, didn't it? It was a massive safe. It's his Beeman safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a safe that doubles as like a transportation portal. Yeah, because there's a wormhole. He can make his own wormhole. Which apparently he can like bop from, from being in a Federation transporter beam to being in his purple portal well, thing. He bop, 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 the yeah, top yeah, yeah. of that rocket. Yeah. 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 Um, and he is, he sort of stands at the window looking out and the cat apparently says Earth sucks and Gary Seven's like, yeah, I know. We won't have to be here long. <laughs> My note at this point is that cat is acting its ass off. <laughs> um, More the cat is acting its, its ass off, but the um, cat's sound effects need some work. It sounded like an eagle. It was just ah! like, yeah, it was not, ah! it was like. It you like, couldn't find real cat noises? It was like what somebody who has never heard a cat before thinks a cat sounds like. Although that might oh, actually oh. have been intentional. Game. What do you think a cat would sound like if you'd never seen a cat before? I don't know, because I have seen a cat before, and I know what they sound yeah, like. Yeah, we're contaminated by actual knowledge. No, just think back to a simpler time. But, like, you think that a super advanced alien race that could tell you exactly what day was a pivotal historical moment could find you a sound recording of what a cat sounds like. <laughs> Pico. Okay, that's disturbing. Yeah. Um, and oh, we meet- I'm sorry, Pico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's got a giant ass computer that yeah. he hides behind his wall. Again, I love that. I, I love, love the really. shop that swings open to have a giant computer. Yeah. 
engineering a, a wise, sassy computer. I feel like well, it's, that it's, is not gonna work. I assume they've like alien reinforced the floor of this office. <laughs> Can I tell you guys my notes for this section? Okay. Please do. It says, the computer demands an explanation of this plot's backstory. <laughs> yeah. We and get, by we God, it's a it. computer info dump. Uh, and to briefly summarize the info dump, uh, so the super advanced alien planet took a yeah. bunch of humans off of Earth, willing yeah. or no, we're not really sure, many, many generations ago, and uh, sort of trained them over multiple generations to be like secret agents to interfere with Earth history, which seems ill-advised at best. It means that there is more than one tipping point involved in history. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of work. Right? Why not just let Earth destroy itself? Why not just send like two or three guys to Earth, set up an office, and open up the fake CIA? Or just do it yourself. I want to say that eventually... Well, the way he explains it is that they actually had to be human beings in order to blend in, which is kind of thin. But cats blend in. I want to say kind of blend <laughs> kind in. Of. Although he's actually spent time around regular humans. I want to say that eventually we would have actually gotten an explanation if the show had existed. But then Quantum Leap exists. So I'm going to take it back. Also sliders. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, these got aliens have got their knickers in a twist about the fact that Omicron 4 was destroyed by similar brinkmanship. So they have to destroy this rocket so that the world won't get all angry Star at Wars-y. itself. Yes. And there's only an hour before the launch. TikTok. There's the clock. The there's our management clock. Apparently. I kind of loved the computer because she was pissy. <laughs> I love that. Sexy. I feel like she had good reason to not like him. Yeah. yeah. He was very he was mean. Very shady. To her. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was just basically like, I know your type of computer and I don't like it. So So he's going to have to do their mission himself. Yeah. Fine. Sure. Whatever. So Kirk and Spock go down to find him. Yeah. I guess. They're getting directions from above. This is also Mm -hmm. very thin because it's just like based on the idea that Kirk's like, I don't know if I trust that guy. Who cares? proof. Who cares? Just you're supposed to be watching Kirk. Well, I mean, in fairness, he could... This guy is also interfering, and he could be there to, like, destroy the city or something. Yeah, but they're interfering by being there, too. Yeah, so they're both interfering. So he has as much business doing this as Gary Seven does. True. And, um, this is where we get to meet the quirky lady sidekick. That's true. For the she is walking pilot. down streets of New York that are more diverse than girls. Zing! Zing! <laughs> zing! Yeah, there was tons of people on that street. Yep. Yeah. And diverse people as well. Yes, they mm-hmm. were. Yes. Anyways, she is delightful. Mm-hmm. Her purse is a cube yep. with circles on it. The 60s were wild. Yeah. It was a, what could you put in a cube? It's kind of like a Kleenex box. Lipstick, yeah. coin purse. That's it. Handkerchief? Hmm. Well, maybe a round wallet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Gary Seven is just trying to, trying to go through his fake IDs when uh, she just sort of wanders in. And, and apparently she's been working as a secretary to the other two agents who are missing. Yes. Doesn't it seem like a security risk to hire a human secretary who has no idea about your secret mission and then just leave your gadgets all over the place for her no, to stumble over? No, they hid the computer behind a wall. Except not, because the little green box is sitting right there on the desk and the trigger to open the secret office door is a pen. Which probably Gary brought out. Maybe. Yeah, the cube, I think it could be a nice paperweight. But the trigger is a pen on her desk. Not her desk, 
on the boss's desk. Oh, sure. Which yeah. ideally, no secretary would be coming in and, like, diddling unless your she, Unless she was going to be sitting on it. Exactly. Mm. Perched. Girl Friday style. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We get, we get the computer's opinion of, uh, what's her name? Roberta, I don't remember her last Lincoln. name. Lincoln. Roberta Lincoln. We, we get a little We have to stop rundown. and actually discuss the outfit. Yes. Okay. Detail. Okay. Please. It is pink and orange. It is. Yes. It is so mod. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It is the modest, and she's got a kind of like cape business. Yep. Her coat's a cape. Yeah, I liked that. Um, we, we already talked about her purse being a cube. Yeah, she's got a black belt on, but then her tights are white with a red racing stripe up the yep. side of each leg. Yeah, yes, it was kicky. Really it was very kicky. I did not notice the tights, but they're a nice detail because she's got a lot of horizontal big stripes going. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really cute hairdo that I would love my hair to be able to do. Yep. She was so and cute. Blue eyeshadow that was basically yes. just like a straight line across part of her oh. eyelid. She looked great. She did. She was a very welcome uh, splash of color in this otherwise very monochromatic episode. So drab. Well, it was it was an interesting contrast between the quote unquote serious men who were making all of the world changing decisions. Yeah. yeah. And the like the light, fluffy, kicky girl sidekick that she she's was. A, she's a quirky girl sidekick. Yeah. They also make a point of talking about how high her IQ is, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. She's smart, but she's essentially like the comic relief sidekick they, which fine they give her a lot of like and I'm again putting this in air quotes comedy moments like when she's yes. coming into the building and she gets into like the standoff with the guy about like who's going in which direction and then there's some point later on in the episode where she gets like the comediest of comedy music yes. it's going do 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 it's just hilarious I did not appreciate that for her but but you she, know gets how I feel actually, about she gets some really good beats right I mean some of them are really corny but you get she actually does some useful stuff. She acts like oh. a regular human being would in that situation. She was the entire light of this episode. One hundred percent. So at this point, Gary Seven starts acting like a level eight douche. <laughs> he assumes that she's one of the missing agents, even though she's clearly not and you don't have pictures of Here's these people. The thing. As a supervisor, you should probably know what your employees look like probably that you have two. Of them. Yeah. Two of them. Like, even if somebody is freelancing, you should either, A, visit them once and, like, have a face-to-face interview. Yeah, absolutely. Or, like, Skype them once Otherwise, in a while. We do know that teleconferencing yeah. is an option. Otherwise, you might do something stupid, like start spilling alien secrets to a random civilian. Which he does. He yep. just starts, like, leaking them out of every orifice in his body. And then he puts her in front of the psychic typewriter. He sits her yeah. down to make a report, and this made me laugh so hard, because it's a, it's a speech-to-text typewriter, yeah. which would have been wild wildly advanced in 1968 it made me laugh so hard yeah it was great at which point he comes to the startling realization that she is not an agent i loved when he asked her well what do you think these people do and she's like i don't know are they writing an encyclopedia (laughs) yeah that's all no big deal nothing weird no not at all i love that It it was like a great detail and honestly had this show been picked up Hearing her repeat over and over again. Yeah. Oh, I work for an encyclopedia company. That would have been amazing. Yeah, would have been I would have really very, enjoyed very that. Very funny. Eventually, and I'm not going to go into any detail here because I do not care. He keeps being like, "You should help your country," and then he's like, "Wait a minute." He shows her a CIA badge. I think. Okay, so yes. I figured this out. It's, he actually tells her that he's NSA, but he has like six other government IDs, which is totally normal. He doesn't say anything. He shady. pulls out his badge, and she. Well, the badge he shows CIA. later is NSA. 
to not to her. He, oh, he, shows, he tells her he sees it. No, no, no. He shows her the CIA badge. Yeah, because the badge he shows on the base is NSA. So he's yes. just sort of covering his bases. <laughs> Go screw yourself. <laughs> it was not okay. Yeah. No. So she calls the police because Kirk and Spock, of course, show up. Yeah. To be like, oh, P.S. Yeah. Kirk uses his communicator on the street. Yep. Well, didn't they have cell phones back then? They no. It could have. It could have been like a walkie-talkie. It was the sixties. <laughs> yes. No cell. The phones. swinging sixties. No cell phones. It could have been no a walkie-talkie though. Uh, don't care. Anyways, Kirk and Spock come up, and she's screaming her face off. Yeah. And they manhandle her like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. yeah. They fling her around, and she's screaming bloody murder. She's like, you can't come in here. Yeah. You can't be here. Yeah. She calls, she the, calls police, the police, yeah. which is amazing. Good for her. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, meanwhile, Gary Seven is just sort of fucking off through his safe portal to McKinley Air Force Base. In a wormhole. Yeah. The best part about the McKinley Air Base is that it has its own coffee truck. Oh, That's actually it? not That's that weird, but I think this was like the back lot at the studio. It absolutely was. <laughs> they just took was. the camera outside. Yeah, just go hang out by the craft services truck. It'll be fine. He also took the cat with him to the Air Force Base. Yeah, that's not Well, the cat. That's a red flag. A little bit. It's a bit thought. of a red flag. You know what, though? To be fair, the security guard immediately is like, oh, you don't belong here. Because you're carrying <laughs> a cat. Yeah. That's definitely one of those like, bing. Oh, this is a crazy person. The best part is, is that Gary Seven leaves the blueprints to the McKinley Air Base on his desk. Yeah, <laughs> and Kirk and Spock are like, I wonder where he went. Oh, oh, right here, because he left us a map. Yeah, helpful. So helpful. Yeah. Wow. On the other hand, the police have a great response time oh, to yeah. come up to this apartment, because they are there immediately holding the most ancient-looking guns I have ever yeah. seen <laughs> that they wrestled off the corpse of Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Yeah, they arrive, full uniform. We get to the inside of the control room for the launch of this incredibly ill-advised, like, weapons platform. It's already more diverse than in the movie Armageddon, which we watched yesterday and I'm still really angry about. You watched about. Armageddon without me? Blame Amy, not me. Um, yeah. So, Seven's sort of creeping around. We missed all the stuff with the cops! Yeah, they beam the cops up because, of course, they oh, do. Yeah. And the cops are like... What? Yeah, to escape, Kirk and Spock beam up, accidentally take the cops with them, and then beam them back down, which Roberta sees! Like, yep. This was like. Poor face. If you think that the timeline wasn't already screwed was up. Like, Kirk, assume, you were supposed to watch, not participate. I assume when the show didn't get picked up, Roberta Lincoln becomes a sci fi author. No, I think that Roberta's like, wow, I should, like, maybe cut back on the LSD. That one. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Okay, now we can go back now to Now we can go back to the security officer who is the of most amazing, officer. competent security officer of all time. He sees a guy carrying a cat like it's a purse accessory and is like, yeah, so where's your ID? And he does show him the ID, but then he, like, uses the sonic screwdriver as, like, the pen from MIB. No, I also want to give more credit to that security officer. He tries. He, he's like, takes a look at his ID and is like... Okay, I'm just going to have to call with the head office to make and sure that you you're authorized to be put here. put the cat down and keep your hands where I can see them? This guy is amazing. He's and they, sh- they should have beamed him back up and given him a job. Yeah. Yes. Put, make him the new chief of security. Yeah. yeah. Do they yeah. have a chief of security? Is that why everything is so unorganized? Because no one's leading them? We've only met one security chief once, and I think he got eaten by the blood-sucking cloud. Maybe? 
No, I don't think. They oh no, he chiefs. survived. He was the chief of security in that episode. But we haven't heard from one since, so I assume that we don't have one right now. Yeah, not impressive. Um, we also get introduced to the ticking clock here finally for the like in episode that the launch is in like forty five. There's minutes. always the ticking clock. Yeah. The kid, at this point, I have in all caps. Cat attack. <laughs> the cat and takes he, it. And he sonic screwdrivers him. And it, here again, I'm going to refer back to my notes. Real time launch of a rocket thing that I could. Get not care any less than I am caring right now. Period. Not a jot. <laughs> and we get some uh, chopper footage of an Apollo launch. Oh yeah, I did not care about the actual plot of this at all. No, I also do not care for rocket launches. Um, some dudes like drive rocket up. Launches, just didn't care about the plot. Mm. Some di- some dudes from the base drive up to the rocket gantry for quote final checks un- unquote and because their security is so excellent, Gary Seven is hiding in the trunk of one of their cars. Fine. Again, you forgot though that Kirk and Spock beam back down. Yes. and they're yeah. both in snazzy suits and ties. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, yes. Spock, less so because of that ghillie hat. Yeah, the ghillie hat. Just, hat. It's mm, not good. Mm, mm, no. Mm. Uh-uh. There are other hats available. Like, choose anything. Choose a captain's hat. Yeah. Like. Go, go down in uniforms. Go sailor. Yeah, we're way too. We know way you have open, open neck blue yeah, yeah. thing. Like and you're like on a yacht. Boat shoes with no socks. Exactly. Or just wear like a And call hat. everyone sport. You get away with oh, it. Oh, you get away with anything if you're wearing a captain's hat. <laughs> yeah, so yep. Gary Seven sneaks up the elevator, the gantry elevator. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the cat at this point is mostly saying, this is a terrible idea, Gary. What the fuck are you doing, Gary? Like R2-D2 is constantly doing. Ari is the cat whisperer. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I'm just getting it from context. Well, no. He goes and sneaks onto a rocket without anyone seeing him. Yeah. He's accompanied Bad by security. a cat. Bad mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. Um, when Kirk and Spock finally beam down... Yeah, they are immediately caught by security. Like yep. immediately, isn't it the same dude? The security on this base is awesome. Yeah, except for that last bit at the gantry. Well, the fact that he's able again to essentially shimmy up to a rocket that's about to take yeah. off and just start dicking around with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even on like yeah. the like the the space center where they don't even launch rockets from anymore, the security is tighter than that. Well. I'm glad that Kirk and Spock got caught. They get taken to, like, mission control, which seems like a weird place to put them. Seems like. Yep. Just me. At which point, Roberta accidentally discovers the wormhole, twiddles some things around. Because they try and beam Gary Seven up. But she just, in the right time, at the right place, managed to fiddle the right button to make sure that instead he's just beamed back to his office. This is very uh, convoluted at this point, because there's, like, 17 happening at once. Sorry. Well, the entire episode is Most of it is just, it's like, they couldn't be bothered, but at this point it's like, oh, there's four or five things happening simultaneously. Sure. The worst concealed secret door ever, which she accidentally triggers by leaning on the desk. Let's skip everything. All of our main characters are brought into the same room where the rocket is going to take off and cause everything to be bad. Roberta tries to leave, at which point she is a goddamn prisoner in this office, and no one will let her leave. Nope. I do notice that Scotty is getting amazing resolution from, like, a 1960s weather satellite. Dang! To find Gary Seven. Yes. So, the rock... They're... It's the stupid thing. Kirk's ridiculous conflict is, do I believe him or do I not? I have no proof. Well, the thing is that either way, like, whether you trust him or not, something really bad could happen. And he They tries, should know what happened. They really should know what happened. As it turns out, they do end up knowing what happened. So the premise for this episode is fucking stupid, and I'm still really angry about it. But basically, what it comes out as is that he had to sabotage the launch of this platform so that, yes. to like, 
and not to sabotage it, but make it go so close to going wrong that it scared the world powers out of actually trying to launch yeah. orbital nuclear weapons Scare platforms. them straight. Scare them straight. Guess how often that works in the real world. So, yeah. And apparently this rocket accidentally arms its own nuclear warhead. <laughs> no, I think that was the... Whoops! Thing, right? No, he was going to arm it and then detonate it 100 miles from the surface, which I'm not convinced is actually far enough no, away from the surface. No, everyone died there. Everyone died. No. Everyone yeah, died. I think the original thing was to try and get it to blow up in space. He said 100 miles. Yeah, he well, said 100 miles away from the surface That the was when it was... No, that was his, his plan. plan. Really? Yeah. Yes. He's like, it has to go almost the word, like, as wrong as it can go. That's a fucking actually. stupid yeah. plan. And, and then everyone died of radiation enough. poisoning. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Right? So I'm going to have to revise my death count. Yeah. So eventually Kirk is like, oh, I trust him fine. I do like that during this whole thing, while Kirk and Spock and Gary Seven are, like, arguing over the finer points of whatever the fuck is going on, Roberta's face is doing exactly what you would expect. Like, this is all seems really sinister from any normal person's point of view. And there's some, like, social commentary because she beans him on the head with a cigar case. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why are you fucking with a nuclear missile? It's very weird. She starts talking about her generation. Yeah. And she's like, we're rebels because we don't know if we're going to be alive when we're 30. She's 20 years old. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Sure. (laughs) This is why the hippies happened? Sure. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, yeah, everything's okay. Yep, it's fine. He does it in time. Supposedly this did scare them out of building orbital nuclear weapons platforms. Here's my question. Is this another, like, weird just being here we created an alternate timeline and we went back to the one we actually came from sort of deals? Like, in the Voyager episode? No, it was supposed to happen. They they actually say that this was what was supposed to happen, so it's okay. No one actually interfered with time. It's like, even the Enterprise was supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to have happened. Except we also know so dumb! Because there's a point where Gary Seven is like, Roberta, you have to let me up, or in a few minutes, World War III is gonna happen. World War III does happen! Yeah, it happens oh, yeah. anyway. There is a World War Three. Nothing. Just it just doesn't get caused by this particular thing. There's still a World War Three. There's still the eugenics wars, which may or may not happen at the same time or overlapping with World hmm. War Three. I just it's hmm. yeah. yeah. Anyways, so Gary accomplished nothing basically, and Roberta sees that the cat is actually a super sexy lady in cat for like four ears. seconds. <gasps> no one else sees it. They nope. are the greatest four seconds of this episode <laughs> because, because because her hair is styled yes. into cat ears. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, she is wearing the darkest, vampiest makeup of all so time. She is wearing a black satin crop top with a black satin skirt with like strappy bits that go around her torso, <laughs> and. Sparkle tights. <gasps> They're like diamond encrusted sparkle tights. I love her. I want her to be in the next episode. Gosh. In all of the episodes. Her eyeliner was amazing. So that was Victoria Vetri. Oh. She's somebody who I'm playing. She on was right now. Playboy magazine Miss September 1967 and Whoa. Playmate of the Year in 1960. Whoa! In October 2010, she was arrested by the police and charged with attempted murder after she allegedly shot her husband in their Hollywood apartment. Whoa. Her husband survived and recovered. She pled not guilty. He had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> um this is not the first Playboy Playmate that they have had as no, a, it's a second sexy no. guest appearance. No, they were drawing from a pool that they should not have had access no. to. Yep. 
Yeah, and then the la- like the quip out is like mm. Gary, where they're like, oh, so it turns out that we were actually supposed to be here all along, and the Gary Seven's mm. like, oh, so what happened next? And Kirk's like, oh, well, that would be telling. Oh. But no, he ends it with, but you guys have some adventures yet to come. Oh. Yeah. The end, finally. Hint. Hint. Oh my god. Yeah. So, so they probably gave radiation poisoning to the entire city of New York. I'm really glad that I watched this episode and had quality time to look at pictures of Killian Murphy. And I'm going to land on, like, ugly hot. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll accept that, but I don't agree. I think he's actually quite good looking. Okay. I'm glad we settled this. Okay. Okay, so, uh, your Count Kim. Um, deaths. Two agents plus whoever they incinerated <laughs> in a nuclear blast. <laughs> and the fallout from the radiation. <laughs> yes. Possibly millions. <laughs> Good, good. Ari, your count? Seven ladies, five people of color. Again, still more diverse than girls. Snap! Yeah. <laughs> uh, life lesson to be drawn from this episode, Ari. Section 31's probably right and you shouldn't fuck with the timeline. But apparently you should. The lesson of this was just do whatever you feel like. Uh, Kim, your life lesson. Uh, season finales are not a great place for an episode that only features your main characters for 25% of the screen time. That is true. They're barely in it. <laughs> Wait, was that Gilmore Girls one the end of season three? Yes. Mm. No, it was second to last, I think. Okay, okay, it wasn't yeah. the actual season finale. Okay, I'm okay. just saying, season finales where you only feature your main characters for 25% of the screen time, not a good choice. That mm. is some very solid business advice from Kim. I'm going to go with you can't prevent World War Three. <laughs> it's, it's gonna inevitable. happen eventually there's nothing you can it do it just really wants to happen <laughs> there's just nothing it's you can do it's going to find a way nothing you can do just accept it <laughs> okay I'm also thinking I'm gonna revise my performance of the episode and give it yes. to Killian Murphy <laughs> and you are both 